Hello, and welcome to another episode of Listen. I'm your host, Rupal Goyle, but you can call me Roops. Today is a different sort of episode. You, if you've noticed, you're missing the kitschy intro music. And that's because I want my guest today to steal all of the attention. So, Mikey, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, um, I'm, I'm Mikey Glass. I am Father Science on TikTok, I guess, is uh, what you know me from. Um, I'm just a, a college graduate um, applying to medical school right now and a recovering drug addict. Uh, that, uh, or I guess better known as like a recovering crackhead is more accurate, not a drug addict. So, um, yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I found Mikey on TikTok when I first joined and only recently this week gathered any sort of balls to DM him to be on here. So thank you for joining. This is super exciting. For me, but just wanted to kick this off with, you know, what made you want to be so open and transparent on a platform such as TikTok? Because I know myself that I've only recently become more open about my mental health, especially and it. For me, it was really scary. So like, how was that process for you? And how do you use it? Um, to be honest, like it wasn't necessarily in- intentional at the start. I when I guess like my first kind of time I I was very scared of like speaking on my I meant my mental health and like my addiction when I was first coming out of rehab because I've I've wanted to be a physician for the past three years and I feel like that just like would taint me a little bit and then stuff got bad enough and enough people found out that you know I was open about it to like friends and family and then like you know I randomly posted a, a TikTok of like a 30 day basically transformation of when I went into rehab the second time and when I got out and it like blew up and then I was like okay like you know that it's just like people supporting me but then the more I talked about it my I started getting a lot more popular and I realized that a lot of you know like we talk about a lot in rehab of like shame and and guilt and stuff like that and people like tend to hide how they're feeling around what they've done and, and especially in addiction. And I just don't think that's right in the fact that it's a disease. And I realized that I, uh, due to my popularity of like the stuff I posted, like my atypical, uh, addict profile, I guess is, or like how I, I am not, I don't look like a typical addict. I don't do the things like a typical recovering addict does. Um, was actually like pretty powerful for a lot of people. And I realized that like if I had someone that was more like me in recovery, maybe I'd like be more okay with being in recovery, I guess, or, you know, talking about my mental health. Cause like a lot of, I was in like a frat in college and stuff. And usually like, white boys and frats who are trying to go to medical school aren't super open about their health. So um, that's, that's what like initially made me open up. And then it was just kind of like a foot in the door sort of thing where I started opening up more and more. And I think it was helping uh, more and more people to where like I opened up about like some childhood trauma and stuff that I got a lot of like very awesome DMs about like how 
it helped people like open up. And so that's, that's why my motivation now is like kind of to give others the courage, you know, to, to talk about their mental health a little bit. Cause it's, it's like really once, once you, my therapist always says like shame can only live in darkness. And once you bring it to light, it like can't exist there. So that's kind of my motivation uh, for the community a little bit try and push that narrative no I love that I love that I love especially what you said about shame like I definitely like with my anxiety and depression coming forward especially in the brown community where you know mental health is does not exist yeah Um, even with my family like it took me so long to ask if I could go to therapy and then I did ask them and they put contingencies on it. So I backed away um, and just didn't pursue until I left uh, my home after college to go to New York. And so I totally, I mean, under I understand. I understand that. But for like kudos, I mean, that you, you do it. I think what, you know, what I wanted to ask you about, which is really interesting for me was when I, when I talk about my health and well-being, I make a lot of or just horrible self-deprecating jokes and people are like whoa whoa <laughs> pump the brakes and I'm like no 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 that's just coping mechanism 101 um and you're you know your TikTok for those who view it um and follow you that's what you do like you you make a lot of you have an interesting mix of serious but then also you respond to hate comments um, in a really entertaining way and I feel bad for laughing because you strip them down to nothing without needing to which 10 out of 10 but um how do you how do you use you know humor and a platform such as tiktok where you know people consume so much of you as a person like how does that how do you hit that balance for yourself so i mean to kind of answer the first thing i think uh it, it it all has a time and place for sure for mental health and i realized that and and i just got kind of what honestly inspired me to like kind of make the more self-deprecating dark humor jokes is um, like in rehab, you're always so serious. And my best friend in rehab, we were high together ironically, and then ended up at the same rehab in the same time. And he was just, he's like a gangster dude. Like he's in jail right now. (laughs) Like he was, and he was just like my best friend. And I like realized that like half the shit I did wasn't even like comparable to a bunch of people that I'm in rehab with. And so in that community, like they can joke about it. And uh, I'm not like an AA or an anonymous kind of like, you know, any sort of anonymous anonymous, uh, program kind of guy, but there's cocaine anonymous instead of alcoholics anonymous. And it's a little bit more like dark and funny and it's like more lighthearted. And then I kind of like realized that like, it's a good way to cope, you know, like being able to like make fun of, of a situation when it's comfortable to, I think like takes a lot of power away from it. You know, that's why, like I say that I, I'm a crackhead cause like it was sad and I'm embarrassed that I used to smoke crack, but like, uh, I really, you know, it's, it's funny now, like, cause I don't look like a crackhead. And, and so I, I think like self I take it too far a lot of times. And I realized that like, I, I'll make, like I, I was sexually abused as a child and I'll make sexual abuse jokes, you know, and like, I don't do it online, but people are like, Whoa, you know, like chill out, like about my, 
myself and they're like are you okay and i'm like yeah i'm fine you know i'm obviously coping right but yeah i, I realize i take it too far sometimes but i think and of like comedy uh like stand up and stuff and i really think like the funniest thing has kind of come from true experiences where like people can relate to and so that's where i see it i think i see like a lot of uh distance between a lot of my followers is how funny they think a certain thing goes when i push it you know uh and it's funny because you know if you think it's funny then you probably can relate to it a little bit you know and so i i that's i think it like just kind of takes a little bit of power away from situations that people deem like traumatic or boo yep it's are you really funny if you didn't have a sprinkling of trauma in your childhood like... yeah for real like it's it just makes your makes your uh conversations a little bit more spicy <laughs> that's you know? like that's that's the only way i can be funny and relatable is if i make light of just horrors of my past mm -hmm. yeah and i mean and this is what i appreciate like i'm technically a millennial but i what i appreciate about gen z is they like that shit they like the self-deprecating humor where they like you know we we shit on our mental illnesses and i think that's that's great because and and also like whatever you have to do to like talk about them at least you're talking about them instead of like yep. keeping it bottled up you know exactly yep it just it it's so much better to just be out with it and if you're gonna make a joke make a joke it's so much easier to handle that other than you know instead of letting it fester inside because that just sits and makes you like i i remember when i would hold on to things like that it would just make me so bitter i would be so angsty and bitter and i'm like who is this no one wants to do that no one wants to hang out with someone who is like that and so i was like you know what it took me three days to draft up my instagram post and post it i remember i think three years ago about my first not my first but my first post about having panic attacks and people were like, oh, my God, you're so brave. I'm like, well, tell that to, you know, me sobbing in the Times Square station in New York. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and people being like, is she cool? But then again, no one bats an eye in New York. But Yeah, yeah, that might be a little bit different. Um, yeah. But it, it is the same sort of vibe, I think. Like, I, 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 that's what I kind of get a little bit frustrated about in social media is a lot of times I feel like, it, I think it's a step in the right direction, but the whole, like, when you post something and everyone's like, oh my God, you're like so brave and stuff. Like, thank you for posting this. It's like, that. that's great. And I think it's great to promote people like coming out. So like, I, I made that sexual abuse TikTok and I had a bunch of people, you know, they were like, thanks for like talking about this. But then that's kind of like it, you know, cause then there's no like real follow up with that, I guess, with, uh, you know, people, it's kind of just like very surface level people caring about you. And, and that's like, you know, at least it's that, but I, I feel like that can be dangerous to a point, you know, if, if for me, it has been at least like when I, when I say something and, um, on, on social media and I, you know, get like a lot of positive responses about like sharing something, from like my traumatic childhood or like my my depression or something like that like people are very supportive and nice but then you know for someone that's depressed it's nice to have that like external validation for a moment but then you like kind of rely on that those responses if that makes sense instead of like 
you know, getting actual connection and, and getting the help you need. Like, why did you read me like this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that's what you do. No, that's exactly what I do. <laughs> like, oh my, oh my God. Like, just a needy bitch who thrives on validation. It's definitely my brand. And it takes, it takes so much effort to unlearn and not do that. But it's so, it's so easy to fall into that trap. Sometimes I'm like, am I posting this because I want to inspire others or because I need people to be like, oh my God, so proud of you. And then that makes me happy. Like, just no, I, I agree. I think also though, it's, it's okay sometimes to be like that. I, I've talked about this with my therapist. This is how I know it's true. But it's okay to have external validation sometimes. Um, I just think in in society as it is now, um, it can be a dangerous thing, right? It's uh, relying solely on that and then basing yourself off other social media and like kind of comparing yourself. I do that all the time. And I have a big following. I'll be like, well, I don't have a fucking million followers, you know, so I'm not like legit. And it's like, it's more, I think it's okay to get those external validations and it's, it's healthy to a point, but if that's the only validation you're relying on, it can be a very dangerous thing. Cause when you don't get that, it's like drugs. You like, you're like, what, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Then you start like the self doubt starts. Yep. Totally get that. Yep. So mm-hmm. int- did, when did you, when did you start therapy? So, um, I've been in low key been in therapy like my whole life ever since I was like nine or something like that because you know fucked up childhood stuff. But um, like consistently going, I didn't really go uh, throughout my adult life until uh I went to I went to residential treatment last a year ago for May, and then I've basically been in therapy ever since that point, except when I like you know fucked off for too much and relapsed and did a bunch of drugs uh about a year ago and then but about from a year ago to now i've uh either done group therapy basically four nights a week in treatment or all day in residential treatment which i think is like very productive and if you have a chance to go to group therapy it's like fucking dope i think it helped me grow a lot then i've been doing individual therapy weekly all this year so i like i really enjoy it Good. My therapist is the shit, so he like knows me better than I know myself. Yep, that's that's me. Definitely, definitely feel that. I tell her everything. I shouldn't, but I do. Um, well, you should, right? I should. They're, they're, no, they're you're the right. Unbiased, right. They have to help. They're here to help. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, I saw this tweet where someone was like, "I have to remind myself that making my therapist laugh when I make a self-deprecating joke is not like getting a good grade in therapy." You cannot yeah. get good grades in therapy. I was like, gotta tell myself that if a joke lands, that doesn't mean, oh my God, I did great today. <laughs> but so, you know, you touched on this, that you've had a very, um, you know, lo- non-linear path to success. And now that you've, you've graduated and you're applying to med school, which I mean, snaps for you. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that? How have you seen that change? Like, what was, what was that path like for you? Because I know you mentioned, like, you know, friends in high school and just that kind of uh, trajectory. But what was that? Mm-hmm. What was that like? Yeah. So a, a little background with my issue is uh, 
you know, I, I was like not a good student in high school. Um, I've kind of like, I had a rough upbringing, like long story short, I could, you know, it'd take 30 minutes to explain all the shit that happened in my childhood. Like, but um just didn't set me really up well for adult life obviously in in high school i started i started using drugs uh opiates um and i basically have done it non-stop besides the times that i've been in jail or probation my whole adult life until now and so um the the shittiest part is which sounds kind of weird is i didn't really burn my life to a, the ground until like the end of 2018 so like I went to school for two years, like partied my ass off, you know, like got arrested a bunch of times for opiates. And then finally when I got put on probation for it in 2016 and I was like, okay, I'm going to change my life. And I didn't use very often cause I had a beat drug test, but I still did on probation. And, um, that's when I started like pre-med and I got like really good grades. And I've basically like kind of realized that I can get good grades in college for the first time. And so once I ended probation, of course, I started using again and it just sort of like mellowed out where I was like keeping my head above water with my drug use. And um, I, you know, around 2018, I had my grandfather passed away and um, he's, he's the one that raised me because of all that fucked up childhood trauma thing. I lived with my grandparents most of my formative years as a child. and. Um, so I kind of like fell off the wagon there and then just stopped caring about school or medical school and stuff. And, you know, that's when crack appeared in my life, which was dangerous. So I, I was doing a bunch of drugs and I had an overdose uh, in 2019. And, and kind of after that overdose, I was like, you know, after, after that overdose, I was like, okay, maybe I should stop. And then I got arrested again. And I was like, okay, I need to go to treatment. So the overdose wasn't like the end factor. So, um, yeah i so i ended up going to treatment all my friends use are all my friends that i'm still friends with now were users at one point i was the last one of my friends to get clean and the first one to start doing drugs so basically i had no one else to do it with and it was just like terrible and i felt bad about myself that all my friends were clean and so i finally went and cleaned up and then you know things were going well last summer i got out of rehab and you know i i got into a relationship which was stupid with a girl that i met in rehab and <laughs> don't do that whoever is going into recovery it's the worst thing to do for your recovery and so um that kind of took a turn and uh my best my best best friend passed away um from a drug overdose after he was seven months clean last august uh a year ago from august 2nd and that again i don't handle death well obviously so that like kind of shot me off the ladder and i used again for two months before i sobered up um and i dragged the the most regretful thing is i dragged this uh nice girl that was a you know recovering alcoholic and never had done other drugs in her life into this like kind of street life and um you know we we both got clean and she's doing well now and we're still friends but uh you know like it's been definitely a shit show uh, up until January of this year, basically when we were still dating at this point, I broke it off like in March. Um, but then I like kind of got my shit together and I got on probation again to get my charges dismissed. Thank God. And, um, I 
took I, I had to make it was actually really interesting so I was in class in the fall when my friend died and I started like doing drugs and just didn't go to I just didn't do school <laughs> again so I hurried and went to rehab at the end of the semester then went and talked to my professor I was like hey look you know I went to rehab like please give me a break and they all gave me incompletes um basically except for one and they said and I had to just withdraw from the class and they said, okay, you can just make this up next semester. But next semester was my last semester and I was going full time. And so I ended up taking like 19 credits my spring semester of mostly science classes. I was in genetics, human evolutionary genetics, calculus two, uh, wilderness medicine. Um, I can't even remember all, oh, evolution and ecology. Like I was in a fuck ton of classes and I was kind of like, okay, I need to buckle down. Like, I have to get my shit together. And I got a, I got a three nine at finishing that semester. It was the hardest semester of my life. Yeah, and I was in outpatient treatment and doing all that, super busy. Um, and I don't know what really came over me. I think it was just I'm a perfectionist, and I like needed to fix all my faults once I got clean. But you know that that was like a huge attribute to my success. And then finally, when the semester ended, I was like kind of scared to have free time to be honest you know because I had summer semester I had to take one class and I was like you know what like I could I could just take the MCAT and apply to medical school this year this is why it was like a last minute decision and so I was like fine I'll start studying for the MCAT and I studied and studied and studied and then took it and now I'm at this point again where uh, I need to find something else to try and like <laughs> work towards but yeah so basically I attribute like all that success was kind of having a passion and um having like that to focus on if that makes sense like this this was like a life or death situation for me it seemed like you know um because like if i wasn't doing school or something i'd probably be smoking crack or you know running from the police or something like that which uh so i attribute like a lot of that my success in recent years to try and or this last year to try and to like achieve something to make up for my addiction a little bit but that is the sickest shit i love that i had to i like i was on mute this whole time and i'm like i want to unmute and be like yes but <laughs> i'll like silently cheerlead what made you what made you want to go into medicine um this is a good question this is like practice interview question <laughs> sorry <laughs> no it's good it's a good question um and like the short answer is uh i obviously like being an advocate for people uh that's i think that's like fairly clear in my tiktoks i like i like advocating for underrepresented communities you know i'm regardless if it's you know lgbtq i'm a huge uh advocate for or like women's rights or all that sort of stuff like it's something i i like fighting for and um so i like advocating for people i like connecting with people and to to be honest like i'm just a fucking nerd too and i really like the science i really like uh, i've science tattooed in my arm you know like i i just love science and so and mental health has become like a a new passion of mine and like that kind of encompasses all the aspects of being a physician in in my mind um and what will make me i think like a great physician uh because i i care about those three things so much and i which I think will in turn give me like a lot of empathy for patients. And so, yeah, uh, accept me to your medical school, basically, if you're listening, listening, uh, University of Hawaii. Oh, I hate that I made you answer an interview question, but that was enlightening for me because I mean, 
you've learned and experienced so much and you still have so much empathy and compassion for the people around you and that's something that you know it's 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 hard to hold on to those are like the first things that I let go of when I was spiraling I was like you know fuck everyone else but you know clinging on to that is really important I think and I love that you, I love what you said about you know needing to hyper focus on something <laughs> to mm-hmm. keep, get your shit together really so relatable but yeah I mean, now you're, you've graduated. So yeah. congrats. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I actually had like a little bit of a, a depressive moment from graduating college. Cause I'm like, damn, like I was in college for eight years. I'm going to miss the shit out of it. I basically acted like a kid for eight years again and just got to like party a time. And you know, now I'm old basically, but. <laughs> and now you're uh, going to go back to school. Bro, I'm going to go back to school for the rest of my life. I feel like I want to be a professor. You know, I'm going to do all sorts of shit like that. Very I'm, cool. myself. I'm like, I'm like, what if I just uh, fucked around and got a master's or got my MBA? It's like, Do it. It's not, it's not, I, I think like, bro, I, I really think it's important for people that like school to go to fucking school, you know, don't do it to get a job, like go because you like it. I just fucking like it for some reason. I can't really tell you why. I just love that atmosphere. But I'm a nerd, I guess. It seems like you are too. If you want to go get it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Starting a podcast and once you get out of school, you know, like pursuing that, that's, you know, mad nerd level. Totally get that. Nerds unite. Yeah, we love it. we, We do love it. And school, I mean, school is so important to do it because you like it, right? Like, you shouldn't do it because you're looking for a certain outcome. I always, you know, I was always like, I need to have the best GPA. I need to be doing really well, all these extracurriculars. And once I stopped really caring, I started doing a lot better. It's like, once you do it for the love of learning and education, that's when you actually get the most out of it. But you're not going to catch me going to med school. Um, (laughs) No thanks. Uh, My shaky hands could never. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm (laughs) not going to do surgery. Thank no. God. What do you want to want to go down? <laughs> I I don't know. I'm I'm going to wait to decide a little bit, but um it's like leaning toward internal medicine. I I just think that I'll be the best at that. I'm a huge like biochemistry fan and all that sort of nerd shit, you know. I love metabolism. That's like my <laughs> passion is metabolism, like how how food is processed in your body, which sounds weird, but it's fucking cool, okay? It's like way cool. Is it cool. really? It's way cool. It's cool. Once you like get it, uh, it's fucking cool. So like it, you can think a lot about it and it solves a lot of issues if you understand it well enough to treat stuff. But so yeah, that's like, you know, my thing. I, I think that I'll probably end up doing that. But I mean, they don't call you father science for nothing, right? Yeah, I hope to, not. <laughs> you have to live up to the hype. I, but... I named myself. So <laughs> I don't think they really had a choice but to call me that. I could be a no. fraud for all they know. I mean... I know that, well, I say I know as if I'm super confident that the internet is correct all the time, but you were a tutor, right? You, you mm-hmm. like teaching. How is, how is that? I, I still am. I, I tutor a family right now um, in math. And I, that's what like, I really loved. I, so I took this biology class first time in pre-med and, or my first semester as a pre-med and the professor was fucking sick and like i i love the way he taught and i was like i got a b and i'm like i need a like ta for him 
and he like gave me a chance and it like just that experience just like widened my understanding of biology and i'm like oh i have to do this for like every fucking class i do because i like i know it so much better now and so i like i did that with ochem and uh human physiology and then you know they don't pay you shit up at the u to ta they pay me like 500 dollars a semester to ta ochem a whole semester a semester yeah a joke for ochem you know like the arguably like one of the hardest classes in pre-med i'm like sitting here like grading papers and teaching it and shit but uh i didn't really do it to get paid so i started um tutoring a little bit and then once i like have more time i and got a little bit more comfortable with math because that's what everyone wants to be tutored in i started like tutoring kids in high school and, and junior high and shit um and I really like enjoy teaching. I love like the theories of how to make people understand stuff better and talk about it. That's what that professor stressed a lot. And uh, I really think like, you know, education could be a lot better in terms of like that if people taught it better, it would, uh, you know, it would resonate a little bit more because like I didn't learn shit in high school. I don't know about you, but like I didn't know shit about biology or chemistry or anything until I got to college. Yeah, no, I learned the most in college and it was like, I took such, I, I had this class called Habitable Planet, which was about space and the universe and how like we came to be. And so the first half was going through um, like the birth of stars and planets and solar systems. And the second half was um, humanity and life and how we came around. So it's kind of like the first half made you feel really insignificant and then the second half was like, mm-hmm. wow, humans are cool as shit. And I would have, if anyone else had taught that, I would have done so poorly. Because physics, um, not my thing. Uh, not mine either. No. Um, biology, better. Chemistry, I don't know her. But, <laughs> at all. But, like, a good professor, like, can get, oh my god, like, the passion that they can incite and ignite and just totally change your path so I totally I mean I totally Mm -hmm. get that I that was me with um in the business school with marketing like I took one marketing class and I was like yep that's me this Mm -hmm. is it so I get that I see like the whole professor thing definitely working out yeah yeah I think like same same as for you I think that you know I mean you speak well on education and like like someone that actually cares about it you know you can talk to people about like education you can tell if they're really passionate about it or not and so i think that's a good route for you as well um but yeah i agree like professors there's like always that one life-changing professor i think if you look for it and i i was lucky enough to have a few but like the initial professor his name's uh david temmy you know i have to give him a shout out because he like dealt with my shit while i was a drug addict too so he was like really he was super supportive of me but he rta session or rta meetings you know where we're like supposed to be going over like curriculum to teach the students uh what i really appreciated was he kind of instead of like doing that because he he knew that we all could understand the curriculum of an intro to bio course or like a human physiology because we're you know teaching it and we got an a in the class so he would kind of push us further he would either ask us like a really deep you know like biological question that's super conceptual and we had to come up with the answer and like we'd be like sitting there working in teams and writing or another thing I really appreciated is he kind of took this like critical thinking and 
conceptualness to like outside the realm of science, which is like how I got interested in like, you know, sociological issues and stuff. Cause back when I TA'd, it was the last presidential election between Trump and Hillary Clinton. And that was like insane. So um, yeah, we, we like apply, you know, these critical thinking concepts, which is why I think even if you don't, you know, want to go to college to get a job, I think you should because you gain uh, critical thinking skills that I don't think you gain outside of college, you know, because the ed- again, it's because the education system's like so fucked up, to be frank. Uh, in junior high and high school, they don't really teach you how to critically think. So, yeah, could not, uh, could not agree more. Um, but totally totally understand the education system is fucked and the classroom needs to change and it's funny you know that you say that because my second podcast episode was with a professor I had um in marketing Dr. Mike Lowe shout out to you you'll never hear this but um <laughs> I literally love you um and his classroom his uh courses would fill up within minutes of opening Um, Everyone would be clamoring for it. Mm -hmm. And he was just, we had no tests, no quizzes. It was all um, practice based. Like Mm -hmm. in order to be successful in business, you have to, you know, be able to be a team player and do team projects and actually be able to, like you said, like critically think like those are skills that you have Mm -hmm. to really work on that we don't get in high school. High school was, um, you know, when sometimes when you're depressed, you repress a lot of memories um, mm-hmm. like the repression is so real. I joke about this. My friends are like, that's really not normal, but I have just zero memories from high school. I have like faint feelings and I know friends that I've had, but if you ask me like, what did you do sophomore year? I honestly could not tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, nope. <laughs> I, I get, I fucking don't even remember my childhood. You know, my mom will be like, Oh, remember like when you were fucking like Scooby-Doo for Halloween, I like, I have no fucking clue what happened until I was 14 years old. So I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I can't reminisce with you unless you show me a picture and I have like a flash gold memory of some trauma, but that's, that's about it. So, but yeah, I, I like, I agree. Like you just, I, I mean, I feel like high schools are really uh, enforces a kind of, here's like my political argument here it's like a very capitalist view you know like it's very like you do your assignments you turn them in on time you get fucking good grade it doesn't promote that it promotes productivity not necessarily learning and i fucking hate that dude for like you know i'm like i'm a goddamn socialist but don't you still don't listen to me but like it's you know i think that's just like not conducive for learning and like it really is like you know, it, people either have a real, really great time in high school because they get to fuck around and they're popular and they have, you know, a lot of drugs. That was like my high school life. That's why I can remember it was great fucking time. You know, I had no responsibilities and I got to get high every day. But like for, for other people, it's like sh- super shitty, like the worst experience of their life. And it's like never I've noticed with people I've talked to, like it's never in the middle. No one's ever like, oh, my high school is like, all right. You always have like the fucking ex-football players they're like remember game three of fucking our our season when i caught that sick touchdown pass that was fucking sick and then yeah then there's people like like you said you are that you know just don't even remember shit no repress that shit i do not want to go back if high school was the best four years of your life you 
did not do a single exciting, impressive thing. It I know. Makes me so sad. At least, at least go to college and be a frat at that point. You know, that, like that's yeah. more exciting than high school. Like that was exactly. a great time too. You know, college but like, being great, understandable. I yeah. went into college and was a, a whole new horrible human being and exited way better i mean if i do say so myself but i think most i think most people do or else they just don't they exit too soon right so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like my advocacy for college and yeah so fuck high school basically uh, anyone listening go to go to college yeah that's the title it's of this episode shit. Um, fuck, uh, fuck high school. Yeah, that's, yeah, fuck if high you, school. If you retain anything from this conversation. Yeah. No, that's so funny because no one, This it's so nice to talk to someone who relates because everyone is either like, oh my God, no trauma, loved my family, great time, mm-hmm. or it's like just in the shitter. And I'm just here like, who can I speak to? Who can I relate to? So this is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of it was an odd situation cuz like, you know, I was having the time of my life cuz I like arguably like was I was you know, I played football and shit. I was uh popular and I did a lot of drugs and like I tried to fit in with like the good person in Utah um the Mormon crowd a little bit and was like doing drugs and having the time of my life and then like, you know, that's just not how it is for everyone. I think how was that? How was growing up in like the Mormon community? So, uh, very confusing for me. <laughs> so, like, it, it, this is the reason: is my mom, God bless her, chose to marry. She went to the University of Utah and and married my dad, who is a PhD student here, and who's an atheist, and she grew up Mormon. So, like, very very contrasting points of view in terms of like our the family ideals right and so i grew up like my grandparents you know like i said they raised me on my mom's side they're like best people in the world but they were mormon you know and we're like you know like baptize him and so i got baptized and then you know like my mom got addicted to drugs and went to rehab and then i moved in with my dad and like my dad's like you're not mormon anymore like because he married my stepmom it's like if anything you're fucking like you're lutheran or something i don't even know what that means and so then i moved back in with my grandparents and i'm like you know most of my friends are just mormon i'm like well you know i'll try it out i'll fucking be mormon and yeah i was just basically back and forth like that for my whole goddamn life i even tried to go on a mission and then here's the cognitive dissonance here. I was like, I'm going to go on a mission, you know, like I'm going to show everyone that I can change. I I start filling out my mission papers. I get arrested and can't go on a mission. Like that's the kind of cognitive dissonance you get in Utah. No, it's fucking hilarious to me now. Like I, I just was like fighting, you know, basically just to fit in. That's what's like, the toxic part of Utah that I was kind of talking about earlier. It's like people care if you're Mormon basically. And uh, it's, it's very confusing. It breeds two kinds of people, the non-Mormons and the Mormons. And if you're stuck in the middle, like you, you better rush to one quick. Cause it's like, you'll fucking go crazy. Um, because yeah, it's just very non-inclusive culture here. Like the non-Mormons hate the Mormons and the Mormons are like, oh, we're better than everyone else because we're God's children. So it's not, 
not the best place to grow up in my mind, but you know, it was fine. I, I got a little bit, I, I'm glad I grew up the way I did. Cause I got a little bit more cultured than a lot of uh, my Mormon friends who ended up coming back and, you know, doing drugs again and getting in the same situation I was, you know, it's, it was really hard for them. It's really hard for people to leave the church when they're older. I think if your parents are in it. So we like, look, I just referred to it as the church. Cause that's what they fucking call it here in Utah. It's not the only church, but that's so now you like get a little bit of the vibe, but yeah, I mean, me. yeah, you have, uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. Like Mormon, like no offense to Mormons, but like y'all are crazy as fuck. Like the, the kind of like shit they believe in, uh, especially in Utah. Like it's like a whole different breed of Mormons here. They're like fucking, you know, Mormon, Mormon premium version out in Utah. So Mormon prime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Interesting. But, yeah. I could not imagine. Cause I mean, I think Utah, I think immediately Mormon. So growing up and then not knowing where you sit is probably like very bizarre. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it is like hard to come to terms. Like I like lo- I'm lucky I had the avenue of like doing drugs and going to jail to be like an excuse to get away from getting being Mormon to my mom's side of the family. Cause now they're like accept it. They're like, oh, he went to college and he's just like atheist now and he did drugs. Like, wait, there's no way we're getting him back. You know, and so it's like really hard. It's really hard uh to like come to terms with it, I think, and like express your family. I saw like one of my a lot of my best friends, like their parents still don't even fucking know that they like get drunk every weekend and they just live in a different state and like you know it's just it's wild it's so it's like kind of sad you know it's a it's such a big expectation to follow your religion in utah and uh i don't feel like it's like that uh, most places you know like it's basically you look better going on a, a mormon mission as a 19 year old boy or an 18 year old boy now and college at like fucking harvard and i'm not even like exaggerating like if there was a guy who grew up Mormon and he decided to go to Harvard instead of on his mission for the first four years of his life, his parents would be disappointed. Basically, that's fucking insane. You know, <laughs> I hate it. I hate it here. That's insane. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. Well, n- well, now you could like the world is going to be your oyster pretty soon. So yeah, you know, got, I'm almost finishing probation and then I can get the fuck out of here. Hopefully, if I get accepted. So nice. I know it's I mean I, and I, I hate talking shit on Utah because it is a really great straight state especially Salt Lake you know like the University of Utah is a great school and I was like really uh grateful to like have live here and have these experiences but like you know low-key no one's changing here and it's frustrating right so yep nope can't uh speak for yourself um I will never say nice things about St. Louis Missouri you I was going to apply to med school out there, so I'm glad I didn't. I literally took that class. I took that off my list yesterday. What? So, Which school? Uh, I don't fucking know what it's called, honestly, but it's in St. Louis. Um, okay, no. I mean, no, that's harsh. Well, is it really? St. Louis is crazy. Um, I lived in the county and, like, oh. the only Indian kid that I could visibly see in elementary school um, until like fifth grade when another Indian kid showed up and I was like, crazy. You, I always, 
I always encourage people to um, leave like yeah. once once it's time. Like going yeah. to Georgia Tech after growing up in the Midwest. I love the Midwest. Um, the Midwestern principles and like the deep seated uh, politeness to the point of um, self hatred. Uh, is really real um it's kind of like what did what did john mulaney say where he was like you could pour soup in my lap and i'd apologize to you is exactly yeah. how i exist yeah um, but yeah I, no i i do you feel i i noticed this you said something i noticed this in utah happened a lot especially in college because you know utah's mostly white mormon or white christian by that matter like you know there's nearly no people of color here and um, I noticed that like we have a lot of uh people for some reason that that are from like Egypt and they like I swear like they 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 all know each other somehow and it's it's cool because I feel like it's nice to have that community. Did is that like kind of the vibe, I guess? Cause you're like, oh, I I saw another Indian person when I was in fifth grade and like you were friends and is it like yeah. kind of like we got to stick together these like crazy white people fucking <laughs> absolutely yeah. i mean yeah. most like um the brown community uh for lack of better terms was pretty tight knit like there were different groups but at the end of the day like for example in high school i was in this giant uh friend group and most were indian and we were like the indians of the grade just mm-hmm. sticking together um and that changed you know when i went to college where there was actual diversity um which made it a little bit obviously better yeah. more open-minded yeah. and then moving to new york was just like so overwhelming for me i just could not handle yeah. it um i loved it but i had to get chewed up and spit out a little bit the first couple of weeks to remember that like yeah. i don't have to be nice to people anymore i can yeah you, well you i mean that's ask. that's hard because like you know growing up with a different st- skin color besides white typically you have to like you know appease the white man growing up which is just you know bullshit like and so like i think it tends like either either people get like really you know like especially in utah dude if there's a black person like 90 percent of people are scared of them here which is just a joke and so it either goes two ways like either have to be like extra nice and then they just like stereotype you know your group for being nice which is So like yeah, I, I I totally get that. I've I've always been I've always been interested in asking that in like the nicest, trying not you know to stereotype way. But it seems like you know all the people um, of that same culture at my school uh, like you know kind of found like refuge with each other. And I was like, is it yeah? Like that's probably the reason why is because like white people like low key just like expect them to be nice or like stereotype and like they finally get to talk shit without any repercussions on exactly. the stereotype that's wow that's yep that's exactly it uh and i didn't think of it that way but that's pretty much it and i mean that didn't really change in college either for that matter like most of like you know the groups the associations um cultural associations associations and things like that existed because people needed that community and i mean totally understand especially when you're like a new place and you come from maybe you're coming from a state like utah or a state like missouri where it's very some people are very Mm narrow-minded so you grow up in a narrow-minded space and you don't realize how it feels to have people um like you for your traits and personality and uh, yeah yeah and i i think that's like 
you know, it's, it's cool to, to have that option. It's just, I, I feel bad that uh, people even feel the need to have to do that, you know, in terms of like just being overpowered by a bunch of, you know, insanely sick in the mind, white people that just have a superiority complex. So that's, that's why I just found that interesting. Cause like, that's an observation I noticed specifically with uh middle Eastern in Utah that like, they, they tend to like band together and, and, you know, um, have like a sort of community with each other, which is, you know, I was wondering if that was forced by white people, yeah. which, you know, of course yeah. it was basically. Of so Of course it was. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Listen, we were colonized. I know exactly, exactly. how this all plays out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, that's like, it's fun. That's, you know, another thing I appreciate about college is like, I didn't even think about this shit until I was in college. You know, I thought, I thought life was fucking great because I was a white boy growing up and, you know, then I like hit, hit the streets for a little bit and like got a little, I like was like, Oh, maybe it's like not great for other, <laughs> other people. <I> don't, <laughs> like, maybe it's yeah. not just about me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Fully understand. All right. Well, I guess my last my parting question for you after we went through the entirety of our adolescent lives together <laughs> was what would be, I guess, what's your message that you would want to send um, to anyone listening? It could be about, you know, your story and your journey or mental health or whatever, but like, what is, if, if you had to boil down basically the essence, what would it be? Um, I think I can boil it down into one word that, I think society could use as a whole a lot more and that's empathy in my mind. I think a lot of the experience I went through um, gave me the ability to have empathy for other communities, which is why I think about the stuff that we talked about with, with like people of their culture, or like the black lives matter movement. I really got involved in because I, like, I understand, you know, what's, what it's like, now a little bit like going to jail and, and doing all that stuff and i'm not saying you have to go through an experience um you know like super shitty to be able to empathize with other people but uh everyone's had something happen in their life that gives them to the ability to at least empathize a little bit with everyone in my mind you know you can always relate something um to someone else like you know i i, I feel like addicts are discriminated against uh, quite a bit that's it's just not being talked about and that's what really made me like empathize with you know racial racial issues is like you know I got I'd get pulled over when I was a addict and they they take my license they treat me normal and then they take my license and they'd see I had a criminal record and I'd get searched no matter what you know and like that's like I'm like oh this is how it feels to be a black person getting pulled over and, and they don't, they didn't do anything wrong. And so point being long story short is like the ability to have empathy, I think is a powerful tool and will in turn uh, progress society a lot further. And that's like kind of the message I'm trying to push is like, you can have empathy for all people and, and you don't have to hate everyone. You know, it's, it's a very, it's a very polarized time. And, our lives and i feel like a lot of people um especially you know if you affiliate with like a certain political party or something like it's really not 
us versus them. And I, you know, I know I picked my side um, for sure, but like just because you have a side and you have beliefs doesn't mean you can't try and understand others and where they're coming from. Right. And I think that's like the most important thing you can do in your life. And once you like kind of get that skill, it opens your eyes to a lot more understanding of people and where they're coming from and why they might behave a certain way. And it gives you like the option to like, if someone does something that is very like mean and nasty to you, it gives you the option to instead, you know, like hate them for it and butt heads. You can maybe understand they had a different upbringing than you and they learn this behavior a certain way. And uh, we don't have to hate them for it. Everyone was a, a victim of circumstance in their life, I believe. So that's a long answer, but. That was a good answer. Everything. And I mean, definitely without empathy and compassion, you cannot destigmatize you know, mental health and well being and um, addiction and just all these things that people, people just struggle with separating the disease from the person and you have to do that in order to move forward and you can't you can't just judge so i fully fully understand it like certainly understanding people's circumstance and you know socioeconomic um status and family life and hometown and there's so many factors that go in i can't I'm not going to sit here and judge someone for how they grew up. I will judge for if they have, you know, resources and education and they still don't learn. That's mm -hmm. when you're like, that's when it's like, okay, you're, where is your excuse? But for the way you started, I can't hold that against mm -hmm. you. Right. Like I grew up, I grew up in a very conservative white area. And after leaving only then did I understand how narrow my life was and, you know, empathize with people that, have never left and therefore have never experienced anything new. Right. So how can you expand your worldview if you've uh, yeah. been in the same one forever? That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. And I, and I like truly believe that I, I agree. And I truly believe that like, if everyone uh, had the ability to just put themselves in other shoes, like, you know, even on the educated side, like of the uneducated person, for instance, like it's, it, it really gives, a lot of opportunity for growth in society and i think it, it especially in mental health you know um like you said i think destigmatizing it is one of my main goals uh with my social media and um i think being more open and, and seeing more people like struggle with it that you can relate to is like a step in the right direction like we talked about and there it wouldn't you know it wouldn't be an issue. Like I said, I think everyone has the capability for empathy unless, you know, you're a sociopath, which is a whole nother fucking issue and that I'm sorry about. But, you know, I we we can fix a lot of things, I believe, just by caring a little bit. So I love that shit. That's so good. Peace and love, bro. Peace and love. Peace That's and what love. We're here for. Peace, love, and hating high school yeah we fucking hate high school too <laughs> the only thing we don't have empathy for is high school no none none at all no <laughs> you know it's like once you once you leave and you take the time to learn about others and educate yourself on other people's situations and you don't stick to the like 
very basic ideology of nature versus nurture because it's never that simple, mm-hmm. then that's how you move forward. Well, yeah. wow, this amazing. I went way over my threshold of time that I had, which is always a great sign. That means that I just I just didn't want to stop. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I, I really enjoy stuff like this. You know, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. talking and people that care about talking about this stuff. So, of course, no. Thank you for opening the DM. I'm sure you received so many. So I thought mine would get lost in the sea, and I guess it. They're pretty. They're pretty easy to sort through. Where there's <laughs> one that's like choke. It goes like choke me, daddy, and like, and then it's like, hey, I have this nice podcast. If you want to be on it, I'm like, ding, like one that's actually interesting. So. I I have to say, I read, I like, I cannot read the comments you get on TikTok. I can't. Oh, they're do it. unreal. They're, they're unreal sometimes. People, people are so bold. And I like, if I ever tried to even type something like that to another human being who doesn't know me, I would combust. Like, I know. And that's, and that's what I think, like, the, the difference is about this. You know how we were talking about, like, oh, you're funny if you've been through shit? That's kind of, like, the difference there. Because I don't have the fucking, like, internal confidence to be, like, this person wants to fucking hear me say that. So, like, I, could, I couldn't do that either. I, like, Absolutely. type, like, hey to someone and I get, like, sweaty and start throwing up, you know? Yeah. Well, that's why I had to go to bed <laughs> immediately after DMing you. I was like, okay, if he never sees it, he never sees it. At least I went to bed. I did the thing. I can't even, oh my God, even starting this podcast, I was like, you know, my biggest fear is someone roasting me over the internet. It's so sad, but it's like, if someone, I would cry. So I'm glad. I I really enjoyed it. I think you're doing a great job. I, I think you're really, you're really, you're really talented at this. You're good at asking questions and, and, and engaging in meaningful conversation, which I think makes an excellent podcast. You know, even if it's freeform, this is my favorite type, right? Like where you can just have a conversation and, and get to some like deep, important stuff. Um, so I think you're, you should keep going. It's really good. Thank you. I have no intention of stopping. Um, my final destination is fame and fortune. Um, I have Let's made go. this super clear at work uh, that I'm only here to keep the lights on um for yeah. the time being that's that's it you know that's all we got to do well yeah. thank you so much for coming and thank you everybody for listening uh super grateful that people are still sticking around after all this time brings me a lot of joy and i mean the re- i do this because i want to tell stories and this was one i wanted to go through and really i just you know it's, it was my privilege. So thank you for that. And as always, everyone, uh, thanks for tuning in. If you can find me at, at listen with roops on Instagram at listen with roops on Twitter and at listen with roops on Facebook. So as always have a wonderful rest of your week. <laughs>